I want to start this morning by declaring a love for something. Um, it's not my wife. I do love my wife. I will declare my love for my wife. But my, the thing I want to declare a love for uh, this morning is flying. I love flying. Um, and um, I'm quite fortunate in my job. I get to travel sometimes and fly. And, and to be honest, the most exciting thing about going to any foreign um, place on work is the flight. Because actually, when I get there, I end up in a conference suite and I don't see any of it. But um, I love flying and I, I love the experience of getting on a plane. I don't like the experience of going to the airport and going through Manchester Airport security. Um, I think that might be the closest I come to um, hell ever. But... Um, <laughs> It's horrible. If you can get, get if you can get, avoid it, do. Um, but um, I love flying. I love getting on the plane. I love takeoff. I love landing. I love the thrill as the the uh, plane lifts off the ground and the acceleration. I love it. Um, but most of all, I love looking out the window um, while I'm flying. I love looking down um, and trying to work out if we're in the UK, trying to work out where we are. I love seeing the way cities are built. I love seeing the rivers, I love seeing the way the landscape is. And I love the fact that I can look down and I can kind of go, why are you all going there? There's no traffic over there. Go, you know. um, because, you know, when, I, when you're up there, you have a different perspective, don't you? You have a completely different perspective. And um, that's what I want to talk about this morning. You know, we've been encouraged recently, haven't we? Ali encouraged us to go higher um, Jeanette encouraged us to stand firm on our foundation but have our heads above the clouds not in the clouds, I listened but above the clouds in heavenly places uh, this whole season we've been in has been um, entitled On Eagle's Wings um, we've been encouraged to soar like eagles but you know, more than just being high it's what you see when you go high and how you see it that will determine what happens next you know it's what you see when you go high and how you see it that will determine what happens next. Isaiah 43 verse 19, this is the verse that I bought on January the 6th um, to us as a church. It says, Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Do you not perceive it? God says to us as a church, and he's been saying, I'm doing something new. He's, he's been saying he's on the move in our lives, he's in the move in our families, he's in the move in, in our church. But do we see it? Do we see what God is calling us to for this time? And how do we see it? You know, do we see the obstacles that get in the way? Do we see the frustrations? Or do we see the hope? Do we see the overcoming? Do we see the victory that is there? You know, we, we recently um, had to install stair gates in our house because uh, Josiah's our one-year-old uh, has started, well, he started crawling everywhere. Um, he's learning to walk now, and he's learned how to use the stairs, and he likes trying to get in the oven. And so we have a stair gate. We have a stair gate near the bottom of our stairs, stop him going up the stairs. And we have a stair gate that stops him going in the kitchen so that when we're cooking, we, he's not getting in the oven with the bread. Um, and uh, which is good, I think. Um, I know. And uh, so we put these stair gates in. And you know, from Josiah's point of view, being only two foot tall, uh, they're really frustrating. He kind of trundles up to them or lifts himself up to them and he stands there and shakes them like that. And he's like, Why can't I get through this? What is this barrier between me and the kitchen? What is this barrier between me and the stairs? Why can't I get through this? And he gets really frustrated. 
Me, on the other hand, I walk up to it and go, oh, there's the gate's shut, we're just keeping him safe, but I'm going to open it, walk straight through, shut it behind me and go and do what I need to do. You know, it's not an issue for me, because I'm six foot tall-ish, slightly less. <laughs> Thanks, love. He, but he's two foot tall. And, you know, we perceive things differently because of where we're at. You know, for him, it's frustration. For me, it's no problem. You know, it's vital that we see things from a heavenly perspective. And this morning, we're going to look at someone who has a different perspective. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Numbers chapter 13. And uh, just to give you some context to this, um, the Israelites were... Uh, stuck in slavery in Egypt. They, they'd gone to Egypt when Joseph was there because there was food and they'd grown and they'd been taken into captivity and they'd been held as slaves by the Egyptians. And God called Moses to lead them out of Egypt and after the 12 plagues they left Egypt and God led them over the Red, through the Red Sea and God led them through the wilderness and he led them with a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. Um, which is pretty obviously God, I would suggest. You know, the pillar of fire, it doesn't just crop up, does it? Um, So God has led them to this place, and they are now at the point where they are looking to the next thing. They're looking to the new thing. They're looking to what God's calling them to next. They're on the brink of a new thing. They're on the brink of the promised land. And so this is what it says, and we're going to read... The whole of Numbers 13 together, as we've been encouraged to read recently. So, let's go. (laughs) The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, every one a chief among them. I'm in the ESV, uh, just in case you wanted to know that. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, all of them who were heads of the people of Israel. And these were their names, from the tribe of Reuben, Shammah, the son of Zachur, from the tribe of Simeon, Shaphat, the son of Horai, from the tribe of Judah, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, from the tribe of Issachar, Igal, the son of Joseph, from the tribe of Ephraim, Hosea, the son of Nun, from the tribe of Benjamin, Pauti, the son of Raphu, from the tribe of Zebulun, Gadiel, the son of Sodi, from the tribe of Joseph, that is, from the tribe of Manasseh, Gadi, the son of Susi, from the tribe of Dan, Amiel, the son of Gemali, from the tribe of Asher, Sethor, the son of Michael, from the tribe of Natali, Nahabi, the son of Vospi, from the tribe of Gad, Gil, the son of Maki. These were the names of the men who Moses sent to spy out the land. I'll be honest, I'm just receiving what Richard said last week about just confidence. (laughs) I have no idea whether they were correct. These were the names of the men who Moses sent out to spy out the land, and Moses called Hosea the son of Nun Joshua. Moses sent them out to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Go up into the Negev and go up into the hill country and see what the land is and whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many, and whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad, and whether the cities that they dwell in are camps or strongholds, and whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are trees in it or not. Be of good courage and bring some fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin to Rehob near Lebo Hamath. They went up into the Negev and came to Hebron. Ahamon, Sheshi, and Talmai, the descendants of Anak, were there. 
Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. And they came to the valley of Eshkol and cut down from there a branch with a single cluster of grapes, and they carried it on a pole between two of them. They also bought some pomegranates and figs. Sounds nice. That place was called the Valley of Eshkol because of the cluster that the people of Israel cut down from there. At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land, and they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, we came to the land to which you sent us, and it flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites uh, dwell in the land of the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the hill country. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel bad reports of the land that they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people that we saw in it are great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who come from the Nephilim, maybe. And we seem to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seem to them. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And we're going to stop there, uh, but I encourage you to read the rest of the story, and we will refer to bits of the rest of the story as well. You know, 12 people go out, 12 spies go out, and they all see exactly the same thing. They all see the same thing. And 10 people come back, and they say, we can't do it. No, no, we can't do it. We can't possibly do it. We can't do it. Everything's too hard. We can't do it. But two people, Joshua and Caleb, see it differently. Two people have a different response. They have a different perspective. You know, Caleb's response in verse 30, he quiets the people and he says, Let us go up at once to occupy it, for we are well able to overcome In uh, chapter 14, verse 7, just over the page, he says, The land which we pass through to spy spy it out is an exceedingly good land, and if the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us. He sees things differently. But for some reason, 83% of the people that go out don't agree. So why? Let's look at uh, chapter 14, verse 24. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring him into the land into which he went and his descendants shall possess it. He has a different spirit. Caleb has a different spirit to the other. He has a different identity. Now, we identify things by names, don't we? We, um, we identify each other by names, but we identify things by names. At home, we have a dishwasher. It is used for washing dishes. So we call it a dishwasher. (laughs) Yeah, it's not rocket science, is it? And in the Bible, names are really important. In the Bible, people's names are really important. And we read that all the way through. Um, And Caleb's name, I believe, is significant. Because the name Caleb means wholehearted. Caleb's identity is wholehearted. And more than that, Caleb 
is from the tribe of Judah. And the tribe of Judah, the name Judah, means praise. Caleb's whole identity is wholehearted praise. And, you know, we read that, don't we? We read where, it's, where we read a minute ago. It says he, he has a different spirit and has followed me fully. He was wholehearted. He tears his clothes. In 14 verse 6, we read him and Joshua, they tear their clothes when the others bring their reports. Because he's a man who gives himself wholeheartedly to God. He sees things differently and he reacts differently. If we want to have a heavenly perspective, then we need to give ourselves wholeheartedly in praise and worship to our God. Now, it feels a bit funny at the end of 21 days, and I've been, I was wrestling a little bit with this, at the end of 21 days of prayer and fasting to come and say, let's give ourselves wholeheartedly, because actually I feel we've kind of been doing that over the past 21 days in different ways. But, you know, Richard's word really spoke to me last week. And, and I, want, I want us to receive this word in the context of that. What if there's more? What if there's more? And the word came last night in the prayer meeting that this is just the start. There is more for us. So how do we respond? Well, we are called to be a people who give ourselves in wholehearted in praise and worship. We're called to spend our lives in the river. You know, it's interesting that um, this has been God's call over his people since time began to, to give themselves wholeheartedly. And actually, it's interesting that when the, when the um, two kingdoms separated that Rich was talking about last, last week, it's the tribe of Judah, it becomes the kingdom of Judah, which is where the line of David goes. It's always about praise. It's always about praise to God. So why do we praise? Well, firstly, because he deserves it. He deserves all our praise, all our adoration. He deserves everything we have. He deserves all our worship. And he's Lord of all. He's King of Kings. He's given us everything that we could possibly. He's the creator of the world. And let me tell you right now that nothing I say from this point onwards changes that fact. Nothing takes away from that fact. And actually, if the rest of this preach wasn't true, it is true, but if the rest of this preach wasn't true, then this fact would still be correct, that he is worthy of my praise. He is worthy of everything that I have. But you know, God is so kind and he is so gracious that what happens is that when we worship and praise him wholeheartedly, he promises that he will transform us and change us. We're going to read Romans 12. Verses 1 to 2, we're going to read it from the message, um, but, uh, because I love it. <laughs> and this, this, I, I read this the other day in the message, and wow. So this is what it says, Romans 1 to 2, uh, sorry, Romans 12, 1 to 2. It says, so here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you. 
develops well-formed maturity in you. You know, as we lay ourselves wholeheartedly before God, we're changed and we see things differently. And it's an ongoing process that happens on our own, happens when we're in our workplace, it happens when we're in our schools, happens when we're walking down the street, and it happens when we come together in the gathering, whether that be here or in homes. It's an ongoing process. We're being changed as we give ourselves wholeheartedly to God. It means laying everything at the cross daily. It means laying our hurt, our pain, our frustrations, but also laying our hopes and our dreams and our desires before the cross. Laying good and bad down at his feet and trusting God that he'll tell us what to pick up again. Believing that he is Lord of all. It means making a daily decision, a part of our routine that says, God, this is what I have today. Take it, use it, change it if you want. But God, this is what I have and I lay it all before you to guide me and to take me where you want me to go today. Expecting God to show up. And he always does. You know, wholeheartedness doesn't look like something specific. And we must never compare ourselves to each other. This is one of the things that God's really spoken to me about over the last three weeks. Because, obviously, we've chatted to people and said, what are you fasting? What are you doing? And at times, I've felt quite inadequate. At times, I've been like, oh, man, they've given up this. And maybe someone's given up more than me. And maybe I'm not as spiritual. Maybe I'm not as radical. But, you know, God said to me, it's about you and me. It's about what I've called you to. And yeah, there's a corporate element of God calling us into a season as a church. But for each of us, it's a decision that we make before God and before his throne. And we go after what he's called us to. You know, some people, God may be calling you to read 20 chapters of your Bible a day. That may be what he calls you to. And if he calls you to that and you do that, he will speak to you. But if I try and read 20 chapters a day without him calling me to it, then I don't think I'll get much out of it. Because that's not who I am. That's not how I read but over this 21 days, I found a, a plan that um, I read this about 8 to 12 verses a day. But I read them four times. This plan told you to read them four times in different ways. And the meat that I've got out of 8 to 12 verses a day has been incredible. You know, each of us making a decision wholeheartedly. And when we do that, there is a supernatural exchange that goes on between us and heaven. You know, when I give my all, I'm not left empty. (laughs) Praise God. The Spirit fills us and I receive from heaven. You know, one of the ways we can give our all is singing. Praise, in my mind, praise always equals singing. And um, you may be thinking, if you've listened to me before, which many of you have, and if you've listened to my wife, which you should do, um, Oh, he's going on about singing again. Let me tell you, we're never going to stop talking about singing. It's our life. God has revealed so much to us as a family and um, as a community about singing. He's revealed so much to us as a couple about singing. We love singing and we can't get away from it in our house anyway with our daughter. But we love singing and we've seen breakthrough because we've been singing. 
And so we're never going to stop singing, talking about singing. So if you don't want to hear about singing, don't come when I'm preaching. <laughs> but you know, something incredible happens when we sing. We give glory to God, and, and as we do it, he sows his glory back into us. We sing songs of faith, we sing songs of hope, we sing songs of truth. We sing different types of songs. We sing songs where we lay ourselves down and we're flat on our faces. We sing songs where we're jumping and we're dancing. We sing songs where we're in pain. We sing songs when we're just absolutely overwhelmed by the glory of God. It's so important that we sing different types of songs. If you look at the Psalms... They're full of different types of songs. If you look at uh, all the way through the Bible, other songs, songs of Solomon, different, so- different types of songs. It's really important that we sing so many different types of songs because that's how God, we meet God. We meet God in those moments. But we must always make sure that when we sing songs, those songs, they speak of heaven and they speak of God's goodness and they speak of God's truth. And as we sing to God wholeheartedly, he reminds us of who he is. And he reminds us of who we are. Our senses get tuned to heaven. And there's a shift in how we see. You know, it's really easy sometimes to come in, whether it's in this gathering or in other places or, or even on our own. It's easy to come before, to come into the place of praise and worship and to just tick over. We can come in and we can just tick over. Or we can come in with our problems. And we can sing. And we can sing these words, but if we don't lay ourselves down before God, if we don't lay our, our lives fully down before Jesus and lay our thinking problems and stuff at the foot of the cross, then these words struggle to get in amongst the noise. You know, uh, one of my favorite songs at the moment is Cornerstone, the Hillsong song. But if we come in and we're just ticking over and we're coming in with problems, then it kind of goes like this. Christ alone, oh hang on, Uh, cornerstone, oh hang on, have I got those bills to pay? Weak made strong, I've had a really naff week. In the Saviour's love, oh yeah, that's nice. Through the storm, oh yeah, yeah actually, things feel a bit rubbish. He is Lord, yeah I believe that I think. Overall, oh hang on, what else have I got to do tomorrow? You know that's what happens isn't it? That's what can happen if we, if we come in and we, and we don't lay ourselves before God. If we don't lay everything before God. But if we come in and we lay ourselves before God, then what happens is we come in and we say, Christ alone, here's me and here's all my stuff, God. I'm laying it all before you. Cornerstone, you're what I stand on. You're where I center myself. Weak made strong. God, you've made me strong. In the Savior's love, you love me, God. You love me. Through the storm, yeah, God, stuff goes on. But through the storm, you're Lord over all. You're Lord over all. You're the one I want to worship. Do you see how it's different? Do you see how it's different when we lay ourselves down before him? You know, we get a perspective. that, That verse earlier talked about the culture. You know, if we're not careful, we come in with the perspective of our culture. Which in the perspective of culture is frustration, it's hurt, it's pain, it's individuality, it's isolation, it's disbelief. But if we, if we have the perspective of heaven, that's hope, joy, grace, mercy, kindness, love, belonging, faith. 
Yeah. You know, the biggest problem the people of Israel had was not that the ten spies came back and reported what they did. That's not great. But that's ten people out of a whole community came back and reported what they did. The biggest issue the people of Israel had was that they saw things with the same perspective as the spies and they listened to them. You know, they spent years wandering the desert, seeing miracles from heaven, being guided by pillars of fire, food from heaven, walking through the Red Sea. They'd seen God move. They'd seen him, seen miracles from heaven in their midst, and they chose the perspective of the culture. Caleb still saw the fight. He knew what, was, what there was to overcome. He even says it. In the text, he says, yeah, there's things to fight. There's things we have to beat. But God will do it. Because his perspective came from heaven. When the report comes, what will we hear? When God calls you to something, what do you hear? Do you see the obstacles? Or do you hear the call of heaven and say, God, you'll make it happen? As a church, when we, we were, some of us were praying in Willow Lane the other day, and you know, when we look at that place... Do we see the hope? Do we see the future that God has for that place? Do we see the transformation in that community? Or do we see the bill? Do we think we're never going to get that money? How's that ever going to happen? We need to see and have the perspective of heaven that says that place is going to transform the community. You know, it's interesting, isn't it? The spies all went to the mountaintop. They all went, all 12 of them went to the mountaintop. And they all went to the valley. It's possible to be wholehearted in the valleys and be ticking over on the mountaintop. I was chatting to someone recently and, and I said, have you heard of how's things? I think it was at the, beginning of, at the end of last year, the beginning of this year. And uh, they said, oh, it's, it's been a really tough year. But you know, in the, in the tough times, I find it so much easier to get close to God. And that kind of excited me for a minute. And then I thought, that's not how it's meant to be. <laughs> we're, meant to, we're meant to be people who, who do both. We're meant to be people who are close to God on the mountaintop and in the valleys. Because, you know, it's on the mountaintop that we get equipped for the valleys. And when I say valleys, sometimes I'm talking about the tough times. Sometimes we feel like we're in a really big valley, don't we? Sometimes things are really, really tough. But... Sometimes the valleys can just be our day-to-day lives. It can just be when we're walking along the street. It can just be when we're at work. It can just be when we're in the place that's not the mountaintop, quite frankly. But we recall what God has done because we've spent time with him on the mountaintop giving our all. And we draw from those things. And we experience victory in the valleys because of what we've learned, what we've experienced, what we've heard from God Those songs that God's given us on the mountaintop, we take to the valleys. And when things are hard, we say, you're Lord over all. This victory is yours. You know, um, a few years ago, I'm probably crying this, but I warn you. (laughs) A few years ago, me and Ruth went for a really dark time. And uh, it came to the point where we weren't sure our marriage was going to survive. And... um, I remember, like, we came, we, we were chatting with people and spending time with people. 
getting help and, and that sort of thing. And we, we'd come on a Sunday and we'd worship. And um, sometimes we'd have incredible times. Sometimes we'd, we'd kind of do what I was saying earlier and tick over a little bit. But I remember coming one Sunday and we sang um, Simplicity by Rend Collective. And uh, God really met me on that Sunday. And I went home and uh, on the Monday morning, uh, I think Ruth went to work and I sat down on the top of our stairs and literally just very top of our stairs. I don't know why I sat there. And I had my phone and I, I put the song back on and I started singing it. And in that moment, I laid everything before God. And it was the first time I'd done it in, throughout the, the kind of weeks that had gone. It was the first time I laid everything before God. And I said, God, this is all yours. My hopes for my family, my dreams for our marriage, what I expected to happen, what I expected my future to look like, I laid it all before him. And I sat there on the top of the stairs and I said, Lord God, I love you. And the, verse, the line in the song says, come strip it all away till only you remain. And that's what I did. I sat there. I said, God, come strip it all away. I give it all to you. And he met me in that place like I've never experienced before. And I started weeping. And I wasn't weeping for the circumstances. For the first time in a while, I wasn't weeping for the circumstances. I was weeping because God's love had come. And his transformation was coming. And it just, wow. You know, when we lay ourselves before God, he comes and meets us and he promises he always will. God appeared in that time when I laid it all before him. And praise God, he's so kind and he's so gracious and he's restored our marriage and I'm so thankful. But you know, even if he hadn't, you know, we read about Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego who when they go into the fire, they say, we believe God will save us, but even if, even if he doesn't, we're still going to worship him. I knew in that moment that even if he didn't save my marriage, that God reigned. And he was Lord of all. And like I say, I'm so thankful to him that he has. And, and our family has been restored. And Josiah came along. And God is so good. And he's, he restores us. But I want to encourage you to lay everything. Because when you do, he meets you. Um, at the beginning of the year, I was talking to some people and they said, what do you, where do you feel we're at as a church? What, what do you feel God's doing at the moment? And I said, I feel like we're in a season of preparation. I said, I can see an acceleration coming. I can see God is going to do something amazing in our midst. I can see growth both naturally and supernaturally. I can see healings. I see God coming in amazing power on us as a community. And um, I said, but I feel we're in a season of preparation and then we've had the season of prayer and fasting and I believe that's all been part of it. And, and various other things have happened and we're building the altar this morning and that's all part of it. You know, and like the children of Israel, I feel we're ready 
to step into the promised land. We're ready to step into that next thing that God has for us, the new thing that God has for us. But let me tell you right now, it's not going to be easy. It's going to require all of us to give our all. But if our eyes are fixed on our king, then we'll have a heavenly perspective. We know, like Caleb, that God will give us everything we need. In Joshua 4, the people of Israel, they finally, after years of wandering in the wilderness, Joshua and Caleb being the only people of their generation that went into the, new, went into the promised land, in Joshua 4, they come to the river and they walk through the river. God parts the, parts the river and they walk through it. And as they do so, they take 12 stones and they build a memorial. And then Joshua takes another 12 and he builds one right in the center of the river. Today we're going to build an altar. We're going to lay everything down before him. It's interesting, isn't it? Joshua builds the stones in the river. He builds them at the foot of the priests who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant. He builds it in the presence of God. Right there in the middle of the river. He builds an altar. And one of the things you read is one of the reasons they did this was for the children. So that when the children asked what happened there, that they could say, God led us here. I believe for us as a church, this is a critical time. And I've been sensing it in my spirit for a while, and I believe God's going to do some amazing things in us. I believe the acceleration is coming, and He's been preparing us for it. And in days, and weeks and years to come I believe we'll look back at today and we'll look back at this season and say wasn't God good, look what he did look what he led us into and we'll know that God was moving in our family and through our family and so we come this morning wholeheartedly to his throne let's stand we're going to just respond with a song going to give ourselves I just want to encourage you to give yourself wholeheartedly to this and then in a few minutes time we're going to start the altar building